Anansi's lair. Even from up high and at a distance, Anansi's palace lured your eyes, partially hidden in a valley on the outskirts of the Golden Crescent, near the intimidating mountain cliffs of what Chestnut called Isilongu. It was surrounded by seven spiraling towers made of ivory and gold. Ayana had to circle a few times to find a place to land the raft among the foothills. If Nayami's magnificent home displayed the sky god's wealth and power, Anansi's emphasized his cleverness. How do we get in? Ayana asked when we were on the ground. She whispered a soft, musical phrase, and the raft shrank down to a size she could carry on her back. Chestnut spread out some papers she'd brought from the warren to study, while Gumbaby snoozed under a blanket on the grass nearby. Anansi's Adinkra was front and center on each tower, painted in a shiny gold that drew your attention. But the most amazing feature was the braided silk that linked each tower on a glittering web. If you looked at them from one angle, the threads were invisible. Turn your head a bit, and suddenly they, and white fuzzy lumps scattered along them, popped into view. And at the center of the web, high above us, in the middle of all seven towers, sat the palace. I mean, Chicago has some pretty impressive skyscrapers, but this was incredible. How do we get up there? I asked Chestnut. The little bunny continued to rifle through her notes, but she kept shaking her head. I don't know. The only thing I see mentioned is that no one has ever gotten inside. Ever. She looked up and rubbed at her whiskers in frustration. The Warren rates this place a five out of five pause difficulty. I glanced at Ayana. Can we just fly up there on your raft? I don't know. She chewed her lip. Something about this bothers me. I studied the courtyard with its marble flagstones, several of which were broken. Giant scars sliced through one spot as if one oversized claw had ripped the earth. More of these weird lumps were scattered here and there. The obvious treasure dangled just out of reach. A desperate person, say someone trying to get the spider god to fix a mistake that had stirred up monsters, why, that person might try anything to get an Anansi in the palace above. If someone tried just a little harder, maybe attempted to climb the tower or use a magic raft. It's a trap, I said slowly. That palace is bait. I bet. I bet if we looked carefully, we'd find more of those threads all around the clearing. And that means those lumps? Ayana's eyes widened. Then she wrinkled her nose. Oh, gross. Are those? I nodded. People who tried to find Anansi got wrapped up in the web and... People or iron monsters. Those two. As if on cue, one of the lumps on the ground wriggled, scaring the mess out of me. I might have squealed, but it was only Gumbaby throwing off her blanket. She sat up and hurled a sap ball at my head. Sap attack. Who need hurtin'? Who dead? What happened? I rubbed the stinging, sticky spot near my ear. Nobody. Go back to sleep. Shoot. You ain't got to tell Gumbaby twice. Y'all boring anyway. Sure enough, three seconds later, the little loudmouth was back to snoring. Ayana chuckled, then sighed. Okay, so what now? I don't see any way we're getting in. Yeah, I don't... I stopped and stared at her, then held up my wrist. Nayami's Adinkra dangled from my bracelet, and the sky god's words echoed in my ears. 
that will bring you focus to your surroundings. I think I have an idea. I took a deep breath and closed my eyes. Anansi's palace had hundreds of stories whispering all around it. I could hear them, feel them, and more important, when I gripped the Gidenayami Adinkra tight and opened my eyes, I could see them. Sweet peaches, I whispered. Anansi's thread crisscrossed the valley, and they were anchored everywhere. I mean everywhere. Boulders, bushes, some smaller strands even clung to our clothes. They shimmered and rippled, and when I looked closer, I realized that the threads were fragments of stories, actual lines from tales I vaguely remembered, spun into golden silk. Tristan! Ayana's eyes widened when I turned to her, and Chestnut squeaked in surprise. What? Your eyes! They're glowing! I began to splutter in protest, but something shiny caught my attention. Behind them, a giant cylindrical boulder was gleaming as brightly as the towers in the valley, as if... That's no boulder, I said, realization smacking me in the face. What are you babbling about, Bumbletongue? Oh no, that wasn't realization. That was Gumbaby whacking me upside the head as she climbed onto my shoulder with a yawn. I rolled my eyes. I said, that's no boulder, it's another building. I ran up to the half-buried structure, and after a quick search, found a hidden door that we'd walk right past, except now it shimmered like sunshine on water. Follow me, I said, and stepped into Anansi's home. The descent into the underground lair took longer than I thought it would, partly because the curving staircase was covered in invisible booby traps. If it weren't for Naomi's gift, which enabled me to see them, we would have been splattered across the stone walls several times over. Also, every ten seconds or so, Chestnut wanted me to stop so she could take notes. They're sure to let me into the Warren Society after this, she said when I asked what she was doing. Even though I was impatient to find out what Anansi was hiding below, I bit my tongue and let her do her thing. There really wasn't any reason for Chestnut to be excluded from Brer's army of bunny spies. From what I'd seen, she was more than capable. He was just being his typical, annoying self. We reached the bottom of the stairs like a slow-moving train of caution. I clutched the Gi Nayami Adinkra. Ayana clutched my arm. Gum Baby rode in my hoodie, and Chestnut brought up the rear. A thick wooden door waited, covered in cobwebs and dusted with golden Alkian greetings, and I eased it open, flinching as something tickled my head. I peeked inside, yelped, and quickly shut it again. What? What is it? What did you see, Tristan? Ayana whispered. An iron monster. What? I hid behind the door, my heart thumping in my chest as Ayana and Chestnut huddled next to me. Gum Baby crawled carefully out of my hood and put her ear to the door. Why ain't it trying to attack? she asked. I looked over my shoulder at Ayana. That was a good question. There was nothing but silence inside. I cracked the door open and peeked in again. Niyami Zadinkra gave me the gift of sight, but it framed everything in golden words that told Alkian stories. Anansi's table was outlined by a snippet of fable. A bed was covered in a spread and made of lullabies. The cooking pots and the kettle were rimmed with opening prayers. But the object that had frightened me half to death, standing right in the middle of the room, was the golden silhouette of a fetterling poised to attack, with legends coiling around its chain body. We tiptoed inside and I found a torch lying on the floor. Ayana lit it, and light flickered in the abandoned tower. 
sweet peaches, I breathed. Ayana pursed her lips and didn't speak. Chestnut started scribbling furiously. Gum Baby hopped down and stomped across the floor. Is this what Gum Baby thinks it is? I let go of Naomi's adinkra. The strain of seeing so much detail was giving me a headache. My vision slowly returned to normal. If you're asking me, is that a fetterling tied up in a spider's silk? Then yes. If you're asking, are those more fetterlings tied up next to the table with what looks to be a note? Also, yes. Ayana moved farther into the room, carefully. Anansi was studying the iron monsters. Why? The fetterling in the center of the room looked like it belonged in a museum. The weaver's silk held the monster tight, its manacle hands in mid-attack, its collar head in mid-snap. Several others were in various stages of dismantlement in the corner, and bits of chain were scattered across the table. I don't know, I barked, but he's not here, which means we're stuck. Again. A wave of anger boiled in my stomach, and I slammed a fist onto the table, scattering papers and chains onto the floor. Chestnut started rustling through Anansi's notes while Ayana sighed. What do we do now? I threw up my hands. I don't know. This whole trip has been one failure after another. That stupid haint has my friend locked up in ghost prison, and I'm never going to get him back, and I'm never going to get home at this rate. Hey, Chestnut began, but Ayana cut her off. It's not all about you, flyboy. We're losing our home as we speak. I know that. Well, then think of others before you start complaining. Chestnut hopped closer, holding some papers. Um, I gritted my teeth and glared at Ayana. How about you get off my back? Her hands went to her staff, and I gripped the gloves in my pocket. Just as two large balls of sap pelted us both between our eyes. Y'all being rude, Gumbaby aimed another glob at us. Gumbaby always got to be the mature one. Chestnut is trying to educate your ignorant butts. Now stop fighting and apologize. Ayana and I eyed each other. Gum Baby raised her sap balls higher, and I sighed. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm not the only one who's lost something. Ayana grunted. Yeah, I'm sorry, too. Gum Baby lowered her arms. Now, sit on the floor, crisscross applesauce. I frowned. What? You heard Gum Baby. Ayana shook her head. I'm not sitting in this... Gum Baby said, sit crisscross applesauce, so you do it, or Gum Baby's going to turn this whole trip around. Now sit. Somehow, Ayana and I were sitting, hands in our laps, and Gum Baby sniffed. Good. Chestnut? Chestnut looked embarrassed, but she stood on her hind paws and held up a note. I, I think I know where the story box is. I gawked, and Ayana choked on air. Where? It looks like Anansi was studying how and why the Iron Monsters are drawn to stories, and he even managed to capture a few. But I think something went wrong. More of them came and attacked him. A chill went down my spine, and I examined the room as Chestnut continued. It looked like a meeting had taken place there. Several dishes and cups were knocked over. Whatever had happened, Anansi and his guests had been interrupted, and judging from the mess, a great struggle had occurred. But who? The answer struck like lightning. Br'er Rabbit, I whispered. What? Ayana looked around. Where? No, 
He said he and Anansi were working on a project for the story box, and then iron monsters attacked. According to this entry here, Chestnut said, something stronger than Fet those things over there came along and Anansi fled. I guess Br'er Rabbit did too. But before they did, it looks like Anansi sent the story box somewhere impenetrable, where no one could get it until he was ready to retrieve it. Okay, I said, impatient. So where is it? Chestnut gulped, and inside of, instead of replying, she turned over the note. Everybody gasped. The schematic of a dark, foreboding mountain range was scrawled on the paper showing tunnels, access points, and exits the same mountain range rising in the distance beyond the Golden Crescent. I think he hit it in the ridge.